All right, so take your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 11. We're in a series called Drop It, and uh, we're in Mark chapter 11 today. How are y'all doing in the back, kids? Doing good? Good? All right. Awesome. Hey, I tell you what, is, is there one of you that can read like really well? You can read really well? Like really well. <laughs> pick one. I can't, I can't see them exactly. Just pick one. Yeah, that's fine. Whoever you want. Yeah. Why don't you come on up here? Yeah, it's Mark... 11, and um, I'm just going to take this mic. Yeah, I'll take this mic. Oh, Zoe, come on up. Okay. One, two. So you know how to do all this. You're, you're professional. Oh, I would like you to read from Mark all the way through Revelation this morning is, is what I thought. Would that be a good idea? No, thanks. Okay. All right. So let's just go through uh, verse 1 to verse 10. Okay. okay. Great. So stand right here. And here we go. Now when they drew, when they drew near to Jerusalem to, Beth, to Bethany at the, Mount, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has needed and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied to the door outside and on the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing said to them, why are you doing this, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said to them, and they and let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks onto the road, and others spread leafy branches as that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. Thank you very much. Let's give our hand. Good job. Good job. This was an amazing moment in Jesus' life, an incredible moment. He's coming into Jerusalem for the very first time. It's on a Sunday. And he's coming into Jerusalem, and he's gotten himself a donkey and a colt, and he's riding them both in, and there are people that are celebrating who he is. They're excited about him coming in. Now, these people, they have different perspectives like on who Jesus is and, and reasons for being excited. But some of the main reasons that they're, being, they're excited is stated in um, this passage. For instance, they say, Hosanna, which means save us or rescue us. Save us, rescue us. These people laying down palm branches and putting, putting stuff, you know, on the donkey for him to ride on are saying, man, we are so, we're struggling and we really need to be saved. We really need to be saved. Now, saved in terms of not maybe salvation saving, but saved from the Roman government. So they thought Jesus was coming in to set up his kingdom and to fight against the Roman tyranny and to set them free. And they were very excited about that. 
So they say stuff like, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. It's what they're saying. And it's a very exciting, a pomp and circumstance moment. That's why we call it the triumphal entry. Because it's an amazing moment in, in Christ's life when he comes in to this. Now, why in the world is he riding on a donkey? Well, the answer to that question is, in Zephaniah chapter 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. This was the fulfillment of a prophecy. And so he's riding in to show the people that he is the Messiah. Now, where are these people getting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? Well, they're getting it from a psalm. And that psalm has this in it. It has the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. And then it says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us or Hosanna. We pray, O Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. They are quoting a psalm. This is an amazing, exciting moment. An amazing, exciting moment. So to kind of um, get that and kind of on the fly get that, I know the kids are really being great. Kids, I want you to help me out with something, okay? Ready? I'm going to make an entrance from that door right over there. And when I make the entrance, I want you to go, yay! Woo! And I want you to really celebrate me entering the room. Can you do that? Okay, here we go. Ready? So here we go. All right? Now, I'm not going to be on a donkey. Um, so, yeah. All right, ready? Okay. Thank you. The next best thing would be a walking walking song, you know. <laughs> best thing. Well, that's it. If you can imagine that happening for an hour or two, because I don't know if you know anything about donkeys. They don't go very fast, and they're stubborn. But maybe this one was cooperative because it was the king of kings and lord of lords on him. I don't know, but they are slow, especially a little one on the side that he was riding on. So they're coming into the city, and the city has a ton of noise, and it's very uh, celebratory. It, it's, it's absolutely amazing. The people in that city knew something big was happening at this moment. They knew it. They expected something big to happen at this moment. They expected Jesus to be the Messiah and come in and kind of do, do his thing. So they're excited about that. An amazing moment for Jesus. So what was it like for Jesus to hear this? Have you ever taken a moment and just kind of paused and, and not that you can be Jesus, but be Jesus for a moment, and you ride in and people are celebrating your existence? You ride in on a donkey and they're like, yay, 
he's here. This is great. We're so thankful. We've seen a ton of stuff that he's done, and we are celebrating him coming into the city. And, and he, you're just, there's just some sort of encouragement from that, from that moment, and you're just really excited about that. I will tell you this. In some deep recess of your mind and your being, you would like this to one day happen for you. Now, you don't want to admit that because you don't want to be prideful, but somewhere in, in the deep recesses of your mind where you've tucked it away, you would really like for one day someone to celebrate you. Now, Philip, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, so. no, 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 no. I know this to be true. I am on Facebook, okay? And on Facebook, people get excited about their birthday. Now, some of them, and I'm not making fun, but I am, I'm kind of having fun, okay? There's a difference, making fun, having fun. Some of them have decided to um, have special gifts to a non-profit non organization so that we can help the non-profit organization instead of gifts, right? I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that's, oh, come on. And you're thinking, okay, this is great. And I'm sure people are, some people are sincere, some people aren't because there's hypocrites everywhere and there's people that are, that are very into it everywhere, correct, right? And so people want you to celebrate them by giving to their nonprofit organization. That, that's what they want. And I guarantee you that there is a percentage of those people, and I don't know what the percentage is. I haven't taken a survey. And even if I did, I'd probably be more accurate making one up than the survey would actually be. Yeah, okay, anyway, you, you, I'm sure there's a certain percentage that watch that total and they, they measure their worth or how much people like them according to how much is given to that particular organization. There are other people that celebrate birthdays that base their worth based on the gifts that you give them. Like your wife or your husband, right? It's okay if someone else doesn't give a good gift, but... The spouse needs to give something that was thoughtful. I'm not talking about my wife. I'm not preaching to her today. No. Something that was thoughtful and that was thought about and that you, you actually gave something that they want. Now, on the other side of it, don't you want to give somebody a gift that they really want? Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Because we've all gotten the fruitcake at Christmas. Right, we've all, oh, come on, y'all like fruitcake. I don't. Um, I don't like fruitcake. Or we all, we've all gotten that gift. And, and sometimes people measure their, their values by what is given to them or what is not given to them. The praise that they receive when they walk in the room or if they've been recognized for doing something. If you were to sit in Jesus' chair for a moment, he is not like us. But I guarantee you he enjoyed this moment. He enjoyed the moment where people were praising his name. And if you're not sure about that, when you get to eternity and we praise his name for eternity and you see him enjoying it, you'll know what I'm saying to you is true. Jesus loves the praises of his people. He does it in a different way than maybe our human pride does over here, but he definitely had a moment. And you and I would also like be like, yeah, the celebration. The problem that we often have with celebration 
is we get lost in it. We get lost in it. We lose ourselves in it. Jesus did not get lost in his celebration because he knew that there was a job to do on the other side of the celebration. And so instead of just stopping here, which he could have done and set up his kingdom, instead of stopping here short of the cross and leading the people out of Jerusalem, he went one step beyond, one step beyond the celebration in order to do what he was called to do. He did not get lost in the celebration. I believe that people get lost in the celebration all the time. I believe that there are people, I know that there are people that check their Facebook status just to see how many likes they had and, and how they feel about that post depends on how many likes they got on that given day. Instagram's the same way. Any type of social media is, is the same way. There are people that measure the effectiveness of a, of a post based on how many likes that they get because we want to be appreciated. We want to be celebrated. We, we want this. The problem is that we can very quickly get lost in that applause. We can get very lost in that celebration. We can get very lost and miss what we're supposed to do after the celebration. Is everybody tracking with me? So let's talk about that. A few, a few moments, a few moments. What is life beyond the celebration? For Jesus and for you. Number one, beyond the celebration is where you have significance. Significance. We are trained that if people are celebrating you, that is when you're significant. But I would submit to you today, that is not when you're significant. You're significant with what you do after the celebration, when everybody quits cheering your name, when you don't have the likes, when you don't have the people around you, what you do in that moment is when you are doing the most significant things in your life. In the midst of a city that was celebrating, Jesus knew the job that was ahead for him. In four days, they would not be celebrating him and saying, Hosanna. They would be saying something totally different. But what he was about to do in that moment when nobody was cheering him on was more significant than him entering Jerusalem. It was more significant. He abandoned the applause because he didn't want to abandon you. He had every opportunity to be celebrated with that out-sacrifice but he would not sacrifice what he was called to do because he was called to do something greater. He did not accept the lower definition of the praise that was given to him on that day. Instead, he went with the different definition of his calling from his heavenly father. He did not get lost in the applause there was something greater that they, he was supposed to do. I see people all the time getting lost in the applause of other people. These people applaud them for something and they get addicted to that applause or they like it and they want it and so they change and they get lost in this arena of celebration. And they lose themselves and they lose their focus and they lose their drive and they lose where they're supposed to go for God because they get lost in the celebration. 
Some people have no idea who they are because they've spent their entire life trying to please other people to be who they want them to be so that they will get the applause and recognition and celebration from them. That's what they've done. So here Jesus isn't going to do that. He's going to step beyond and become what people need, not what they want. What they need, not what they want. This moment was Jesus' easiest moment in the whole week. Maybe the easiest moment in his whole life, in his whole ministry. This was his easiest moment. But he knew, and he knew something harder was ahead. So significant, significant comes on the other side of the celebration. You are never significant in the celebration. You never are. Second, endurance. Endurance is on the other side of the celebration. Listen, I could go to Disney World and celebrate there my entire life. If I won the lottery, that might be where I lived. Every day, going to Disney World, you know, letting someone else, if I won the lottery, I could hire somebody to handle the rest of the money and just go to Disney World and just have a life of ease and a life of comfort and a life of celebration. But I would lose myself. I would lose who I am. I would lose who I'm called to be. And I would never learn any endurance, any endurance at all, any endurance at all. There are lessons that you learn from endurance. Lessons of pain from enduring that you do not learn if you're being celebrated. You know some of the things that I've learned from pain? I've learned who I could trust and who I couldn't. Time of pain, you know the people that were not really with you that they said they were, and the people that were with you and said they were stuck with you through the pain, those are the people I stand with you realize really quickly through the pain who you can trust and who you can't trust and who you can be around. I wonder if you have never stepped into another moment because you knew it was going to be painful and difficult and uphill and you took the easier road instead. You took the road of celebration and comfort instead of what was hard and what was worth fighting for and what was worth conquering. I wonder if you took the easy road instead. That if you take the easy road, you'll never learn to endure. But if you take the hard road of what you're called to be, you would, you will endure. How do we get this from Jesus? Well, he endured the cross. Because there was something greater than him being praised that he had to do. Something greater. Next, number three, leadership. Your leadership grows. When you get to the other side of the celebration and you get into reality and and life's, life's rough or good or whatever and you have to work to get something, you learn leadership. You develop the ability to stand. You know, when you're being celebrated, you're not really standing for anything. You ever notice that? Because it's all about you, right? You're not standing for anything. But when you're on the other side of celebration, other side of people celebrating you, and there's something to do, you learn to stand. You also learn 
that there's no need to get upset when things change on the other side of celebration. Sometimes people don't want things to change because they've been celebrated with what they've done in the past. And they're so stuck on that celebration of what they've done in the past and they did it well that they can't move into a future where they can try something new and make something greater and learn even more how to do something because they're attracted to what is behind them, not what is in front of them. Jesus developed the ability to stand. He, he accepted when things changed. How do you know that? Well, he was accused of a bunch of stuff on his road to the cross, and the Bible says he said not a word. And that is a tornado warning. Good, great. Or a very significant point of the sermon, and we should repeat it. What are the, what are, what are the two? It's one of the two. I'm not really sure, sure what. You see, a lot of leadership comes down, and this is in your family or in your life or anywhere. It's not just me. It's, it's everybody as well. A lot of leadership is, is like this, a lot of it. There's a crowd, and you're the leader of that crowd, and the crowd is going this way, and you look at the crowd going this way, and you say, I must catch up with where they're going so I can lead them there. Right? That's, for some of you, that's very funny. For some of you, it isn't because you're stuck in a democratic government. Right? By the way, we're a democratic republic, not a democracy. Just throwing that out there. A democratic way of leading is the people choose and the leaders catch up. But ladies and gentlemen, that's not leadership. That is chasing the celebration. That is chasing being liked. That is chasing something else. That is chasing appeasement. It's not leading. Leading is when you know exactly what God wants you to do and you take the steps to do there no matter the difficulty, no matter if anybody's following you or not. You take the steps to get there and you go for it. That's leadership. Jesus lost the, not only the celebration but the crowd that was celebrating him when he went to the cross. They disappeared. They were gone. Have you ever heard that, I love Ray Stevens, have you ever heard that Ray Stevens song? I can't use this illustration if you haven't, so lie to me if you, I'm just kidding. The green cyclone, the blue cyclone, he's the meanest wrestler the world has ever known. And the, okay, so, yeah, okay, it's not going to work. We need some culture in this church. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus being who he needed to be, be meant that he needed to face people who would celebrate his demise rather than his success. Man, that, that's something. To be who he needed to be, he had to face people who would celebrate his demise rather than his success. How many of you are willing to celebrate that? That's tough. But your most significant moment is when people are celebrating you getting it 
rather than people celebrating what you have done and like that. We need people who will do what they need to do for people rather than what people want them to do. That's what we need. Fourth. Um, turn in your Bible to Matthew 21, verse 10. And this is the same story, it just has something a little extra to it. But I want you to see something. Verse 10, it says, And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? Have you, have you ever, like, been to a concert and, like, you know, the first two groups are, they're out there and you just kind of, yeah, that's not who I'm here to see, right? Then the lights go down. And the fog machines start up, and there's some type of lights going on, you know, and there's some pumping music and images on the screen, and, and all of a sudden the crowd starts doing this. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been the one jumping up and down? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm glad we have some honest people. Not afraid. <laughs> and you know that there's somebody coming. You know what everybody in the room knows? They know who you're celebrating. Because that person is about to come out and do a concert, and you may have waited your entire life to hear them, or maybe you just like them so much you see them every time they come into the area, right? But you're really excited, and once that first song happens, that is your favorite at that moment. And then the second song happens, that's your favorite at that moment. And then it just continues to go, and then there's a soft set, you know, and you're just all into it. You're really into who they are, but as soon as that concert starts, you know who's going to be there, right? You know who that is. Here's a group of people that saw people praising God and shouting, and they were wondering who in the world this person was. And so they're asking the question, who is this Jesus? So the celebration of these people were drawing a crowd, who is this person? And in verse 11, the question is answered by the people who are shouting hallelujah and hosanna. And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee. If Jesus had stopped his story during the celebration, and coasted from that moment on, he would have gone down in history as being Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. He would have stopped right there because that's what the crowd was chanting. Jesus the prophet from Nazareth. That is who he is. But that is not what the world needed. That is not what the world needed. We did not need triumphal entry, Jesus. We needed Jesus who would crawl to the cross. Come on. We needed Jesus who would crawl to the cross. Not the one that celebrated. We needed that one. 
Jesus knew who he was. He knew he needed to move from the celebration to the thing that he was designed for. He knew he needed to do that. And instead of Jesus of Nazareth, he decided to fulfill his destiny and be Jesus' resurrected Savior of the world. It's raining outside and your wood might be wet. Come on, people. Thank you. What are we supposed to be doing with this? Do you know the difference if Jesus just stopped at the celebration? Maddie would not have gotten baptized today. She almost didn't anyway. I didn't almost get her under. I had to push her down. We are Baptists. I'm still wringing wet out of here, right? Do you realize if Jesus stopped short of the celebration, there wouldn't have been a cross, there wouldn't have been blood, there wouldn't have been a resurrection, there would not be a church, there would not be new life, there would not be a heaven. Jesus went to be who he was designed to be. Jesus Christ, resurrected Savior of the world. And I know I'm making you say that, for some of you. You need to be made to say that. Jesus Christ, resurrected Savior of the world. Yeah! Yeah, come on. Yeah. If you cannot get excited about that, Please do not go to your next basketball game. Do not go to your next football game. Do not rejoice when your political person gets into power. Do not do anything like that. Because if you cannot celebrate Jesus' resurrected Savior, you might as well go home and be depressed the rest of your life. Jesus' resurrected Savior. You see, we won't try triumphal Jesus. Maybe the triumphal entry... Isn't that triumphal? Do you know that that's just what we call it? There's nowhere in the Bible where it's called triumphal entry. Jesus' triumphal exit is going to be four days later when he cannot carry his cross, when someone else has to carry it there, when he's stuck on Golgotha bleeding and dying for you and me. His triumphal exit is what we are about. And by the way, there's two exits, one from Jerusalem and one from the tomb. Yeah, come on, church. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus resurrected Savior of the world. Now, I want you to know something, and then we're going to stop. I want you to turn back to um, Mark chapter 11. This is what it says. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethage, and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, 
why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. I want you to run through this in your mind. If I was to tell you today to go to the food line parking lot and there is going to be a Honda Accord and a man getting out of it and you tell him to give you the keys to bring it back to me and I will return it to him shortly, how many of you would do that? Okay, there you go, Look, Because we could video it and have a ton of likes on YouTube and be celebrated. That'd be awesome, right? How many of you would, like, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. But here Jesus is doing essentially the same thing. He is going, he's telling people to go get a donkey and a colt that nobody knows that they're going to get. And if someone says, are you stealing that? Are you playing this in your mind? Are you stealing that? You say, oh, Jesus has need of, how many of you would fall for that? Like, oh, come on, I would fall. You're right, you wouldn't fall for that. I did ask that correctly. That's right, you wouldn't fall for that. You'd be like, no, that's my donkey. Leave it here, leave it tied up, right? Can you go through in your mind that the disciple was called to do something very uncomfortable and, and he had to go, these disciples had to go and get this donkey and the fate that that took. And then they took these two donkeys back, right? Took these donkeys back. And, and if someone said, the police officer said, where are you taking that? Oh, Jesus has need of it. Do you know him? How do you think that would go? I like that boy in the back now. How do you think that would go? How many times... Have you been too afraid to tell your neighbor about Jesus? If two disciples can go get two donkeys, a donkey and a colt, and basically steal it from the person, and then have an answer for that after Jesus told them to do that, why can't we as believers respond to the call of sharing the gospel with our neighbor and do the same thing. It makes you uncomfortable. And it should make you uncomfortable. Do you know why it should make you uncomfortable? Because it's on the other side of being celebrated. We know good and well that when we talk to the gospel to some people that they're not going to celebrate the fact that we gave them the gospel. Some of them are going to be against us when we give them the gospel, right? We, we know that. We know that. But the most significant moment that you can have in your life is celebrating, is actually sharing the gospel with your neighbor, whether they receive Jesus or not. That's a very significant moment. And don't underestimate its power. It is the seeds of the gospel message that grow over a period of time. And eventually someone that heard you say it back here, heard someone else say it here and here and here and here. And the fruit is here. And you may never see the fruit, but you sowed the seed. Don't underestimate the significance of the task that Jesus has given you to witness to your neighbors. Also, Do not underestimate the significance of the way that God designed you. He designed you uniquely to do a unique thing for him. And it's something greater than what you've already done because you're not done yet. So you move from this 
great thing that was significant to the next one, to the next one, to the next one as you follow him because God has designed you differently to do something great for him. You have to move beyond the celebration to the downtime where people aren't celebrating you. Dig in, do your faith thing, do what you're supposed to do and stay faithful to Jesus even in the times where nobody recognizes what you are doing. That's what you do. And if you're a follower of Jesus and we're supposed to be like him, there's going to be more times that we do things for Jesus that nobody knows that we did than times that they celebrate on the side. And that is exactly the way it's supposed to be. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't think like everybody else. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I'm actually going to an um, ordination service tonight. I'm not speaking, um, which is fine. I'm not saying I'm just not speaking. I don't want you to think I'm all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips. I'm just going because I know the guy. And so um, in that room is going to be a group of people that are very opposite of the way I think. Sometimes I wonder why they do the things that they do, and I guarantee you they constantly wonder why I do the things that I do. But you know something? I'm good with that. Do you know why I'm good with that? Because I don't need to be celebrated by them to do what God has called me to do. I don't have to be celebrated by somebody that's different than me, wanting me to be different than I am, in order to accomplish the will that God has for my life. And you are the same way. You're the same way. You just have to follow Jesus, who you are, and do that thing. And if other people don't understand you and what you are doing, that's okay because your Savior in heaven understands you. And if he can walk a road all by himself and leave the celebration behind because he abandoned that for you, then you can be who God has designed you to be for others. Amen? Thank you, children. <laughs>